I'd like for you to turn to the 11th chapter of the book of Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes chapter 11, verses 7 through chapter 12, verse 1. A man described his credo for life. He said there are two things to aim for in life. To get what you want and to enjoy what you have. And the only, he said, only the wisest achieve the second. Only the wisest achieve the second to enjoy what you have. Are, are you one of those people that never seems to enjoy what he has? You know, there are a lot of folks like that, you know. I mean, it doesn't matter what they have. They, de- they just don't like it. Are you one of those people that just doesn't like life? I'm, I, the, only the wise are able to enjoy what they have. And it doesn't matter how much you... Uh, disagree with this credo of life. I want us to explore it tonight. I want us to probe this. Uh, As a matter of fact, just the second part, how to enjoy what you have. Five simple words. Now, if you're one of those who is never really able to enjoy what he has, your life is probably a mixture of sighs and whys and cries. And if you're one of those people that cannot enjoy what he has, that might be the reason why the people who used to be your good friends no longer are. Because nobody really likes to be around somebody that, that really doesn't enjoy life. And I want to ask you a question straight up. What are you waiting for to enjoy life? I mean, what are you waiting for? Now, if I could take your answers to that question and put them into three categories, put them into categories, there'd be three. There are some of you who would answer, well, I'm waiting until I get the things that I want in life. And you've, you've made a direct connection between material possessions and your happiness. Now, let me remind you that, that material possessions do not guarantee happiness. You remember the, the parable of Jesus in the 12th chapter of the book of Luke? He tells about this man who had all these possessions and he just built barns to have more possessions. And he came to the end of his life and Jesus made this observation that a man's life does not consist in the abundance of the things that he possesses. Let me tell you something. You can have $140 million and buy out the Dallas Cowboys and fire the coach. That will not guarantee your happiness. Nor mine, as a matter of fact. Gardner says, if happiness could be found in things, then we in America would be deliriously happy and we would be constantly reminding each other of of our unparalleled blessings rather than trading tranquilizer prescriptions. Then he said, we of all people are the most blessed and the least happy. What are you waiting for to be happy? Some of you would say, well, I'm waiting until I meet that person who will fulfill my life. This is the answer often given by singles, but not just single people. People who are waiting for children. If I could have, when we have children, those children are going to bring happiness to my life and fulfill them, fulfill it. Or there are some who say, if I could just 
Get a new employer. My employer is unbearable if my neighbors would change, if I could just have friends. I remind you that if you build your life, your happiness in life, upon another person, you're bound to be disappointed. And I call your attention to Psalm 41, 7, and he said, Even my close friend, in whom I trusted, who ate my bread, has lifted up his heel against me. And then there are some of you who would say, When I achieve my goals in life, I know I'll be happy. When I make my first million, when I get my diploma, when I get this promotion, when I land this job that I so desperately want, when I reach some kind of advancement in my career. Now goals and dreams are important, and I'm goal-oriented, as many of you know, but goals in the reaching and, and, and the reaching into goals never really bring happiness. As a matter of fact, you can spend so much time climbing the mountain with your eye on the goal that you miss all the scenery on the way. And there are some who, when they reach the top, have looked back down the mountain and found all these years, these grinding years, it took to get there and how much they missed. And that's what James meant when he said, count it all joy when trials come, because oftentimes the greatest experiences in life are not in the moments of success, but in the moments of failure. And I think that some of us today, tonight are old enough to say that that some of the happiest times of our lives were when we had the least. Oh, if I could just, said this prosperous housewife, if I could just go back to that first little apartment we shared together. When we slept all night because we worked hard and we played hard and we loved each other like the kids we were. Helmut Tillich was the great German preacher who pastored shortly after the war in Germany and was there to try to help those people gather up all that was lost. And one Sunday morning, he stood before a congregation that had been ravaged by war in his fatigue boots. That's all he had to wear. He was trying to preach a sermon on the Lord's Prayer, and in his sermon, he got down to, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. And he paused, put his hands on the pulpit, and said, How can these words have any meaning to us in this wretched condition? The truth is, he said, that now we understand the need for the kingdom better than we ever have before. Before our lives were safe and secure and well-ordered, now the telephone lines are down and the hospitals are, are bombed out and there's no food or medicine. Now there is just us and God. And the greatest mysteries of God are always enacted in the depths. What a wonderful statement. Now there is just us and God, and the greatest mysteries of God are always enacted in the depths. So if you're going to pin your happiness on the fulfillment of your goals and dreams, when you become successful, you're probably going to be disappointed. Two things about this text before we get into it. Number one, happiness is for the day. Happiness is for now. Joy is available now. You don't have to wait to be happy. Happiness is available now. Secondly, happiness is inseparably linked to the person of Jesus Christ, to a personal relationship with God. For what is the end of man 
but to know God, to love God, and to enjoy Him forever. Not just to serve Him, not just to obey Him or to please Him, but to laugh through life with Him. What is the chief end of man? To, to love God and to laugh through life with Him. So that life, so that happiness is available now and it's inseparably linked to my relationship with God. Well, what does God have to say about all this? Enjoy life now? What does He have to say about this? He, well, in the first place, He says it's okay. I want you to look at verse 7. The light is pleasant and it is good for the eyes to see the sun. Indeed, if a man should live many years, let him rejoice in them all. He says it's okay to have fun. Look at, listen to me. He says it's okay to enjoy life, to be happy to enjoy things and sex and all the experiences that life has. He says it's all right to enjoy life. It's okay to laugh and sing and it's okay to, 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 to be a kid. It's, it's okay to enjoy life. In fact, he says if, if you have many years, it, it, you should enjoy every one of them. Enjoy them all. I'm sure there's some people tonight who are watching on television because there's certain limitations that age brings to life. They're saying, yeah, it's easy for you to say. Well, it's easy for the Scripture to say. It doesn't matter how old you are. It doesn't matter how many years you have. You ought to enjoy every one of them. Ought to enjoy life. Toynbee was 80 when he was dying in England. And this is what he said. He said, oh, how good it is to grow old in England because in America, Americans are only interested in the young and the different. Then he said, it must be awful depressing to get old in the United States. It ought, I, I suppose that'd be the worst indictment. It ought to be that, that, that we enjoy life. He says it's okay to, to enjoy life, to, to have pleasure. And I think that he removes certain limitations from life, from uh, life that enables us to do that. Now, I did a little, trying to do a little work on this passage, and it is a little bit difficult, but I believe that there are two things that the Lord removes from life enabling us to enjoy it. The first is stereotyping. Now, what I mean by that is that most of us have a, have a tendency to put people in little boxes and little molds, and we, we, we think that this is the way they ought to be and live. And it seems like the older I get, the more difficult it is for me to, to remember how I used to be as a kid, you know. And so when I look at kids, I have a tendency to think they ought to act like I'm acting now, you know. And we put people in these little boxes and these little stereotypes, and we say, this is how you ought to live. I mean, get serious. And when I hear somebody say, you know, we ought to be more serious, I, I, I say, why? So we can look like you, you know. I mean, there's some people I think it must practice how to frown in front of a mirror every day, you know. Stereotyping people. One of the best gifts that God has given you is the gift of yourself. And you're free to fail. And you're free to be yourself. It means that God has given each of you your own identity and your own individuality and He's given you your own life and it's not necessary for you to fit into somebody else's stereotype. There's a little uh, song that used to be popular, Little Boxes on the Hillside. You remember that song? Little boxes made of ticky-tacky, little boxes on the hillside, little boxes just the same. There's a green one and a pink one, a blue one and a yellow one, and they're all made out of ticky-tacky, and they're all, they all look just the same. 
And the people in the houses all go to the university and all get put in boxes. Little boxes, all the same. And they're doctors and they're lawyers and they're business executives and they're all made out of ticky-tacky and they all look the same. And they all play golf on the golf course and they drink their martinis dry and they all have pretty children and the children go to school and the children go to summer camp and then they go to the university and they all get put in boxes and they all come out the same. And the boys go into business and marry and raise a family and they all get put in boxes, little boxes, all the same. There's a green one and a yellow one and a pink one and a blue one and they're all made out of ticky-tacky and they all look the same and everybody has a stereotype and they all think everybody has to look the same way. Be yourself. And I think he not only removes stereotypes but I think he also removes cynicism. Now watch this carefully. When we, st- when, when we talk about stereotypes, that means that we're not able to accept another person as he is. And many of us are guilty of that. It's our sin. We're not able to accept another as he is. If he doesn't wear the kind of clothes we li- like, we don't, he doesn't wear his hair cut like we like it, we reject him. If we don't, you know, our, our stereotyping is the inability to accept another person as he is. Cynicism is the inability to accept ourselves as we are. And I suppose that one of the greatest problems that young people have especially is the inability to accept themselves as they are. Dreiker was right when he said, anyone who must energetically seek his place will never find it. Now watch this. And the person who has to be more than he is in order to be somebody will never be anybody. You can accept yourself as you are. As a matter of fact, your, your limitation, your, your, uh, your shortcoming is a part of your own identity. You, you, you need to accept yourself as you are. And you'll never really be able to love others until you love yourself. I never will forget the first time I was introduced to transactional analysis. And this guy had this big chart and he had ten big circles on it. Five on one side and five on the other. You've seen those charts? On one side, you're on the five circles on the left. He says, I'm okay. You know that? I'm okay. You're okay. We're okay. They're okay. And it's okay. And, and, and on the other side, he had the, the counterpart, I'm not okay, you know, et cetera, all the way down the line. And how we relate to other people depends on how we move out of those circles. In other words, if we move out of the circle negatively, if we move out from that, I'm not okay, then the next step is what? You're not okay. You know how that impacts social relationships. If I feel I'm not okay, then you're not okay. And and then the next is we're not okay. You know how that impacts marriage. You know how it impacts the church? And they're not okay. You know how that impacts us as we look out on us? And it's not okay so that all of life is just, you know, this misery that we live in. And so the real step to really enjoying life, I I believe, begins with an acceptance of ourselves as we are and an acceptance of others as they are. And we're not able to accept others as they are until we're able to accept ourselves as we are. He removes those limitations. Now he gives us just enough warning to keep us realistic. Now I want you to notice in verses 8 and 9, look at this. He said, Indeed, if a man should live many years, let him rejoice in them all. Let him, remember, let him remember, look at this, the days of darkness, for they shall be many. Everything that is to come will be futility. 
Now, it's almost like he, you know, he, he gets us all pumped up to really enjoy life and then shoots us down. You know. He said, let that person who's getting ready to really enjoy life and get a handle on, his, on, his, on himself and, 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 and understanding that he doesn't have to be like everybody expects him to be. He's free to fail. And about that time he says, but let him remember that the days of darkness are going to be many and everything's going to come to futility. Boom, just shoots us down. You know what he's doing? He's telling us that when we instruct others how to live, be sure to keep them from disillusionment and help them to understand that not everything in life is rosy. You need to tell that person who's about to get married, it seems like that it's going to be love from now on. Well, let me tell you something. It's not always going to be perfect. Let that person who is getting ready to really enjoy life, don't let him get disillusioned when the dark days come because the dark days are coming because life is not exempt from difficulty. And then he says in verse 9, Rejoice, young man, during your childhood and let your heart be pleasant during the days of your young manhood. I mean, young guy, have a good time. Look at this next statement. And follow the impulses of your heart and the desires of your eyes. I mean, if it looks good, go for it, man. And if in your heart you have a desire to do that, oh, I mean, you know, live it up, live life. And then he comes with this little statement, yet know that God will bring you to judgment for all these things. Now, what a deal. What a, what a party pooper. I mean, he tells me to have a good time and then says, but watch out, you're going to get in trouble if you do. No, that's not what he's saying. He's saying this, that when you're, when you're, when you're enjoying life, when, you're, when you understand that life is here for your pleasure, when, when you're given permission to really have a good time and live, remember though, you're going to have to give an account to God for your life. Can you imagine what it would be like tonight if people did forgot that there is a God for whom we must account or to whom we must account. You imagine what it would be like if people didn't understand that one of these days they will have to give an account. So with this tension, he, he, he gives us this tension. He, he gives us permission to have, have fun in life and to live it up. I mean, now you're, you're in middle school, you know, and 15, 14, and 13 years old, 13, 6 foot, 160 pounds of idiocy. I mean, have a good time. And you've got ball games and proms and, and the world is you know, out before you and you're young and, and everything is great. Just remember, though, the tension of that. Just, just understand that, that you, it's not always going to be rosy. You're going to have some dark days. Don't get disillusioned when they come and understand that if you don't live this life within the parameters that God permits, you'll give an account for Him for that. And then in verse 10, such an important word. And so he said, look at here. So remove vexation from your heart. Now that's not a common word. What does the word vexation mean? Well, it's a, it's a combination word. It's interesting, interesting enough. It's a word, a combination word that, mean, that, that includes the words anger and resentment. Isn't that amazing? That when this wise man is telling us how to live, and how to enjoy life, and how to have fun. 
He reminds us that if you've got anger in your heart, that if you've got resentment in your heart, you never will get there. And so he says, now if you're really going to enjoy life, if you're really going to have fun, you're going to have to understand that it is not possible to have fun, to enjoy life and to be happy as long as you have anger towards someone or something or resentment. And when you put those two words together, anger and resentment, what you come out with is rebellion. And he says, let me warn you that you're going to have to put aside a rebellious spirit which is the product of anger and resentment that is always the, pro- the, 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 the cause of a rebellious spirit, root of bitterness, anger and resentment. You're going to have to put that away and that's, a, that's an act or choice of the will. God's not going to just come and zap you and take that out of your life. You're going to have to put that out and put away pain from your body. Now what in the world does that mean? Yesterday afternoon, I, I came in for a little bit and I flipped on the television. I was watching the Iron Man Triathlon. Those people love pain. <laughs> I'm telling you, swim for five miles, cycle for about 50, get off the cycle and run a marathon, 26 miles. Show this woman come crawling across the finish line. Well, oh, wasn't she a beautiful sight? Everybody wanted her for a wife. I mean, she couldn't even stand up. Just crawl it across. Those people love pain. Put pain away from your body. Now let me tell you something straight out, right up front. Put pain away from your body. You know what he's saying? He's saying that the things that cause your pain in your body, like alcohol and drugs, sorry about this, and tobacco. Those things that cause pain, put them away. Now look, why? Because childhood, look at this, because childhood and the prime of life are fleeting. Now I I want you to see this, that the time to put those things away is in your childhood for two reasons. It's because if you put away these things that I've just mentioned, if you put them away before the habit has a chance of becoming congealed and fixed, it's a lot easier to put it away then. Let me tell you something. It's a lot easier to quit smoking after you smoke when you're 15 years old than it is after you're 50. Put that away when your childhood and the times are fleeting, those habits get congealed. Secondly, he's saying, watch this, he's saying, while you're a child, put away this anger and resentment from your life Because when you're a child, it's so much easier to forgive than when you're an adult. Let me tell you what he's saying. He's saying, get in the habit of putting this anger and resentment out of your life when you're young because it's so much easier for a kid to forgive another kid. I see that happening all the time. And when you get older, I mean, you want to hold on to those grudges. And if you've got some of those things that you're involved in now that's going to bring nothing but pain and misery to you, you better put them aside now while you have, while, before the, the habit, etc., gets congealed. That makes a lot of sense to me. Now this verse 1 of chapter 12 is that little thing in the outline that talks about one final thing. Look here. Remember also your Creator in the days of your youth. 
Now, what that word remember looks like there is that it, 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 it looks like he's saying, now remember God. Remember God. That's not the word at all in the Hebrew. That Hebrew word is found in 1 Samuel chapter 1. If you want to look it up sometime, it's found there. It's used and let me, it illustrates what I'm talking about. It's the story of Hannah. And she's childless. She wants a child. And she agonizes over this because to the Jewish woman, not to, to be barren, to not have a child, is the greatest curse they could ever endure. And so she goes to God and she's praying. She begs God for a child. And, and in this agony, God... The, the Bible says, and the Lord remembered Hannah. Now, God didn't say, oh, yeah, I remember her. You know what that word means? It means to act decisively on behalf of someone. To act decisively on behalf of someone. Now, this is what the author of, of Ecclesiastes is saying. He's saying, while you're still young, act decisively on behalf of the living God. While you're young, in a positive way, we've talked about what you're to leave out negatively, but while you're young, begin to act decisively on behalf of the living God. So when you go to school tomorrow, and you encounter that peer pressure that comes, act decisively on behalf of the living God. And these kids, you know what they were doing tonight? They were acting decisively on behalf of the living God. Act decisively on behalf of the living God while you're young. Two things will hinder our pursuit to really enjoy life. These and I'm through. Number one, self-appointed excuses. You know what keeps us from enjoying life? Self-appointed excuses. If things were different. If I had more money, I'd be so happy. If I lived somewhere else, if I had different parents, if it were different. Self-appointed excuses. Secondly, self-styled self independence. For self-styled independence keeps me from remembering my Creator. Self-styled independence keeps me from acting decisively on behalf of God. It causes me to say, I'm doing pretty well on my own. I'm making it okay. I don't need God tell me what to do. And those are the two things that keep me from enjoying life. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you for the instruction of your word, for the right, for the privilege, for the invitation to seize life and enjoy it, and to live from the first day to the last, drinking deeply from life. Forgive us, Lord, because... We've allowed so many petty things to rob us of joy. And Lord, I pray that tonight that there will be one decision made in this entire group. That is that we indeed begin to live. For I pray in Jesus' name and ask it for His sake.
Now there are three little invitations, big invitations, short invitations, an invitation for you to come tonight to receive the Lord as your personal Savior. I believe that life comes from Him, and that's the beginning place. I ask you to come tonight if you feel led to do that, to come and place your life in our church. As I said this morning, God has a way of putting people together so that the body is completed. Sometimes people ask me, is it important? College kids will ask me, is it really important for me to join the church here in Duran? Well, I think it is in this sense that, that it gives credence or credibility to your witness. Because the people on the outside expect you to be uh, involved and active in the local church. And so when they see that you are, it means something to them. And I think it will mean something to you. I want you to come tonight if you drifted away from God and there are things in your life that, that, that do not please Him, bringing pain to your relationship with God. Would you come tonight to, to, make, to get that worked out? While we stand to sing, we invite you to come.